0: If you're competing on any marketplace against marketplace sellers and their whole mindset is how do I use this marketplace only and its tools only and you can actually bring other resources to bear. We are Michael Vizi in London, England and Jason Miles in Seattle,
1: Washington. More importantly, you are the owner of a thriving online business and you want to become the best e-commerce leader you can be. We're here to get you there. For show notes with links and resources mentioned today, and for other GC resources like downloads, just visit our blog, theecommerceleader.com. Today's sponsor is Eva, the best AI repricer for Amazon profits. Private label sellers, are you wasting your cash? Eva reprices your products for you, and the result is up to 50% more profits. Eva serves hundreds of seven-figure sellers in the USA and is now out for British and European sellers as well. For a 15-day free trial, go to amazingfba.com forward slash Eva. That's amazingfba.com forward slash EVA. Many e-commerce operators have the dream of being multi-channel sellers, and there is a powerful logic in that, whether it's business defensibility, new potential revenue, new types of income streams, there's a lot in its favor. However, there are some classic errors that Jason and I have seen when entrepreneurs launch in a new e-commerce sales channel. And today we're going to talk about five classic errors and what to do to instead. So Jason, I know you've got a huge amount of experience now with coaching and consulting with people over years of changing or adding, should we say, e-commerce sales channels. What are your insights on this one to start with? I
0: love the topic. We changed our company name to winning online to to Omni Rocket because omni-channel selling is really the frontier of e-commerce in many ways for all of us. Most of the clients that we work with, their thinking a process goes something like this. Hey, I'm doing well on Amazon. I better do well on another channel too, because I don't want to be shut off on Amazon. And uh, that's like a very common mental mind mindset that we hear people express. And so Shopify is one of the channels, but there are certainly many others that are just coming into prominence and people find their way into selling effectively on them. You've got just in the Amazon ecosystem, all the other countries, which really are like launching a new channel. If you want to launch in Amazon Japan or on and on and but then you've got Etsy and eBay which is where we started we started on eBay and we still sell on Etsy it's our secondary channel Of course Shopify to a certain extent is a channel if you wanted to call it the direct to consumer via your website channel. Click funnels is really a unique tool that's almost a, a you could consider it a sales channel if you wanted to for how it works. You've got secondary seller apps and marketplaces like Real Poshmark, Facebook Marketplace, Craigslist, OfferUp. Of course, you've got Walmart in the mix. You've got local selling, like local retail. You've got pop-up shops that you can do. You've got farmers markets that you can do. You could warehouse sales. You can do affiliate channels. You can do B2B wholesaling, which is really a channel in itself. And on, for goodness sakes, it, there's no shortage of sales channels in e-commerce now it's really quite amazing isn't it
1: there is certainly no shortage of options and i guess when people have a lot of options there are two options you have a, as a an information provider podcast a coach which is to a throw out a video a week on youtube i'm going by what i see out there that makes the latest channel sound incredibly sexy and you get fear of missing out so tick tocks mm-hmm. have been all the rage for fear of missing out for e-commerce sellers this year or I think you can do what, you know, Frank Chris Green has often mentioned on our hot take show which is more responsible which is to help people navigate between the different options i don't think we need any more options in our lives what we need is the ability to choose between them in my opinion and so hopefully today's show is part of that and yeah i think uh, the more options you have the more mental work you've got to do to make some choices so let's kick off with some errors first i like to turn the knife maybe that's my marketing sort of pedigree i was brought up to bring up seven mistakes you're making with x y and z so not so much fear of missing out it's just straight up fear so let's just start with fear and then let's work towards some positive solutions so the first thing. is an error of not understanding the different dynamics and cultures of different sales channels. And to your point, even different Amazon marketplaces can feel like a different thing, even though the back end and the mechanics are the same and it looks the same. But if you're trying to sell on I've worked with the odd person who's only sold on Amazon Italy or something, and if they start to try and sell on Amazon.com in the USA, the level of competition and the level of demand are so much greater on both sides of that equation that it's a completely different experience. The budget needed, the mentality needed, the skill set needed is very different, even though it's just within the Amazon marketplace. So that's the first thing that I see out there
0: not understanding the difference between the cultures and dynamics. Yeah, I totally agree with that. They are very different animals, aren't they? Etsy is our secondary sales channel and then Shopify is our primary, but just those two by themselves have interesting differences. Of course, if you, in your context, go from Amazon to something else, it it can feel like a complete different operating system because it is the back end is a different operating system and you have to learn it and appreciate the fact that there are going to be a lot of nuances and differences in terms of how customers behave and customers' expectations, but also how the company that's managing it behaves. The backend rules and process, those nuances are the first things you start to bump into and it can be incredibly frustrating and until you learn the rules of the road on the new place and, and then you start to get comfortable with it. Not dissimilar to when I was in England last month and had to drive <laughs> on the wrong side of the road for a week, And I did hit a curb and it cost me $250 to get the the rim replaced or repaired. But I learned after the first day, I got better at it. And it's similar, I think, in terms of learning new marketplaces.
1: Yeah, that's a good analogy, actually, because I recently drove in France, but I drove in Germany when I was like about 19. So I just passed my test and I did a gap year, which makes me sound Mm. like a bratty middle uh, middle class kid, I guess, because that's what I am. But I I got used to it at an early stage, but there was something very disorientating about something as physical as left versus right changes. And there was something... It feels almost like that, doesn't it? When you change culture in a marketplace, it's a surprisingly visceral experience of confusion. And, oh my yeah. goodness, I'm used to pulling lever A. And I didn't even realize I was used to living, pulling lever A because I've done it a hundred times and I've forgotten that I got used to that until it isn't there anymore. Yeah. So if you're an Amazon-based or, or marketplace seller and you've got your Shopify store sitting in the corner of the internet, you're used to pulling the lever of Amazon ads, which mm-hmm. don't just get you awareness, but get you sales. Yeah. And suddenly... If you're trying to do google ads where well, you're not going to automatically just make sales on a site that so ever heard of and has mediocre branding maybe and then you're in a different world right disorientating so
0: i think you're right yeah i think for this one i would just say the error in in it if there is an error is just not appreciating the fact that it's going to be painful learning curve and anytime you go into a new situation and you say to yourself this is going to be a painful learning curve i'm going to have to muddle through for a while it does something to your mind where it just gives you a piece about, okay, I'm just in the pain zone. I'm just in the painful learning uh, bits of this. With But we're all mature enough to know that you can work through stuff like that. But if you go into it and think one's going to be like the other, especially like on the Amazon side, to your point earlier, I think that's where you can probably just get frustrated. And if you get frustrated and you quit, then you've wasted the time and energy of trying and you didn't get any fruit or benefit of the outcome. So that's obviously the thing to avoid is get in, get frustrated, leave. That doesn't serve you well at all. Agreed. And you're absolutely right that actually in a
1: way, um, That's probably more pernicious than doing something that isn't right because if you follow through enough your discovery of a Mm -hmm. sales channel works for your business your product your type of customer etc maybe your customers aren't on that sales channel or not in very great numbers but you're right and i think i see a lot of that i see a lot of premature use of sales channels that it's not right time for somebody to be doing that because they haven't stabilized their product and the pricing but also yes i see people dabble and then get put off and you're right I guess if you expect to hit a curb and you know that it's weird to drive on the left, then you, you've made your peace with the fact that it's a foreign country, you it's foreign. And, yeah, that's an important... I think you need to relish that. When I go to France, I relish the fact that I drive on the right and that everything's different. And I think, yeah, you need to make peace with... Yeah, being in a foreign country, as it were. Well, the, the second, I think the next classic error for me is very related, but it's more of a back-end business model error, which is assuming that you're solving the same equations. And the classic way this shows up for me time and again with otherwise highly experienced seven-figure Amazon sellers is this. They sold on Amazon. They've made profits. So they're not just making sales. They're making profit. They understand how to do that, how to make spend money on Amazon ads. And you have your cogs and you have the outgoings and you have your incomes and they make it profitable. And then they add a direct-to-consumer site without necessarily huge amounts of thought and understanding but maybe a certain amount and then suddenly they're wondering why they're making a loss when they're spending money on ads like they have on amazon the conversion rate's lower and they've got a cost of acquiring customer of, say, $20, and then they're making $10 gross profit. And, of course, they're trying to solve a different equation because on Amazon the downside is you don't get to upsell, downsell, cross-sell, and sell to the same person for the next five years. But the upside is that it's incredibly high conversion rates because it's this trusted shopping channel. And on Shopify, your own DTC, it's the opposite. So that's a cultural thing that's an equation, business model shock, I would say. You've got tons of experience with this. What's your experience with that?
0: Yeah, I didn't know what you were meaning by that when you first had it, like in our little notes that we do together, pre show notes, assuming you're solving the same equations. I didn't quite catch the nuance there, but you're totally right. And I totally get what you mean. And I, so I guess what you, the way I would say it is each marketplace has a different cost model and profitability path. And if you apply one prof, profit model and profitability path and cost model to a different marketplace, assuming that it'll be similar, you're going to be it's a recipe for disaster. Yeah. So take your point completely on this one. and It's totally right. The simplest way to point that out is when and when I do this all the time, when Amazon sellers who are successful, they have a you know, a great six or seven or eight figure Amazon business. And then they say they want to build a direct to consumer Shopify site. I say most consumers package goods companies spend about 15 to 22% on marketing 15 to 22% of their top line revenue. So are you prepared to do that? And like, Whoa, no, we don't spend any, we only spend a little bit on AMS ads on our Amazon sales channel. That's the difference between direct to consumer and, uh, and Amazon. You have to find the consumer. (laughs) So the math is totally different. And and we walk through that. What does that look like? How much do you have to spend on this and that? What goes into that 15 to 22% and on? So walking people through those math differences, I think, to your point, is a part of learning the new channel and and learning the nuance of it. And every channel is different. We sell on Etsy is totally different than Shopify. And so it is an interesting thing to think through. Completely agree with what you're saying there.
1: I think for me, the important thing is to have thought it through and have a basic Mm -hmm. concept, probably learning from other people initially, probably smart enough to come to you for Shopify advice if they're a marketplace seller, for example, Mm -hmm. so that at least conceptually, they understand that it's very different a bit like you went to Germany expecting everyone to speak English and maybe you've ended in rural Germany and everyone speaks German. Actually, if you know that in advance, even if your German is terrible, you can at least be prepared for the fact that maybe you'll hire an interpreter if you're at a business conference or some workaround. So I think you're really right that going in mentally prepared for that is important. That's where a coach can be invaluable, I think. For me, the third error is, again, quite related. It's trying to use inappropriate strategies for the channel. Now, this is more the flip side. A lot of people have been, Amazon have been listening to, sell on Amazon primarily, have been listening to people talk about Shopify type strategies and they're getting it very, bi curious, if you like, about, oh, I could send Google ads or Facebook ads and all the stuff that everyone who's got a direct-to-consumer site kind of has to do, but is also an opportunity because they're maths, if you like, of their business, make sure that if you acquire a customer, it's very expensive, but you do have the opportunity to sell to them again and again over time. Whereas I've seen a lot of people, like even in the mastermind on Wednesdays, it may be a sort of high six-figure seller, so not quite as big as some of the other sellers, but was really asking the question initially in the mastermind, something like, how can I use external traffic to drive a bunch of sales on Amazon? And I'm very glad that I've got into the habit now of asking what we call clarifying questions, which we have uh, as part of the discipline in the mastermind now. And I said, okay, so what is it you're trying to achieve? And when we peeled back a couple of the layers of the onion, it was clear that what he wanted to do was he, he felt he was overstocked and wanted to clear some stock. And so we all agreed, put the price down and spend some money on advertising on Amazon. So in other words, he was trying to use a tool that was yeah. appropriate in one type of context, one sales channel, to solve a problem in another sales channel. And it was just the wrong tool for the job, or at least we concluded that as well.
0: Yes, I completely agree with that. Although your example begs the sort of question, which is if you have competitors on Amazon who are playing inside that games box and you can draw some lines, that example where there's like solve this connect these four dots with three lines or whatever it is and then you you try to do it and you can't but somebody draws outside of the grid and it easily is achieved that example that you mentioned reminds me of that where as it happens if you're competing in in on any marketplace against marketplace sellers and their whole mindset is how do i use this marketplace only and it's tools only and you can actually bring other Resources to bear; the most obvious being your own newsletter, (laughs) email list. Then you've got a massive advantage. So I think there's the a big downside and a big upside to applying additional tools because uh, because it can cost a lot and take a lot of money and not work or and just waste time and energy, be inefficient. Or it can bring new eyeballs to your listings in creative ways, and, and and that can really be a huge breakthrough. That to me was probably our singular largest breakthrough when we launched our business in 2008, 2009 on eBay, because we immediately started doing YouTube videos. I know it sounds like a funny combo, but we did eBay auctions and we did YouTube videos and and contests, and we created our own our own audience quickly. And what happened was that audience then ratcheted up our auction prices so much. We would sell an item for three, four, five hundred dollars, and the competitive items were selling for eight, nine, ten dollars, and then that created its own buzz inside the marketplace. Oh my goodness! What in the world? How are these people doing this? What's happening? So anyway, not to go on and on about it, but I, I do think this is a really important error, but also opportunity, which is considering yeah. the tool sets for the marketplaces. Yeah.
1: So let's. This is a great nuance. It's not a subtle nuance like $500 versus $8 is a huge measurable yeah. difference but i would say what maybe what i could i should refine what i was saying to not even as general as using paid external methods that aren't appropriate to your business model is wrong that could still work depending on the mm-hmm. equation if you're selling something for a hundred dollars and the conversion rate's 30 percent, you've probably got quite a lot of wiggle room to drive a lot of external pay traffic but to your point you were talking about building community which is a different skill set and a different mindset as well he would, he in a sense this is interesting so in a way i think he was approaching an amazon sort of marketplace type problem with a mechanistic amazon seller type mindset which i can relate to whereas what you did is had a more holistic mindset of creating a community and mm-hmm. that's probably more effective and sustainable. And then the other thing is, um, another thing is that you were selling Haute Couture Dolls clothes, which is super niche. So presumably mm-hmm. the people who like it are really passionate, whereas that doesn't happen to apply to my client's yeah. product. Maybe yeah, why he's got too much product. stock. Yeah, Generics problem. But the other thing is the difference between organic and paid, obviously, without trying to be too obvious, captain obvious about it, that you developed a strategy that relied on organic traffic, which means that obviously the cost structure is very different again.
0: Yeah, totally. But all that goes into this third idea which is you've got to marry the tools and strategies to the marketplace appropriately in the most optimal way for your outcome a successful outcome and that's the gist of it yeah okay great yeah so i know you've got a couple of
1: areas that you've seen around this area what would yeah. you say is error number four or error as you say in the
0: states error what's error for yeah, really e- this one's really easy and that's just underestimating the work involved in getting the new marketplace up to speed and we, we all do this we hear about something and we get sold on it maybe we watch a webinar or see some kind of amazing sales video or something like that people sell us on the idea of you know poshmark being the next huge opportunity or whatever it is and uh, and so we get into it because we're drawn to the the opportunity and then we quickly run into some barriers and then we just don't we just don't fully understand the cold start problems that can exist as Amazon employees call it on Amazon platform to to get your velocity going of your product sales and to actually make a meaningful number start to occur so that you can then justify in your mind why you're operating on the platform. And there's a real concern with launching a new platform and that's that you can get into it and you get on the platform and do make some sales, but it's not enough to interest you or to really get your creative energies and investment of time and money and effort into it. And then you abandon it ish, but you're still there ish. And then you have a zombie (laughs) channel where you're like, we sell on that, but yeah, we, we do $300 a month and no one cares about it. And that's no way to do a channel. And so I think underestimating the work involved is, uh, you know, is a significant mistake and you you need to treat these like they're launching a, a, almost like launching a, a new brand or a new company almost you have to come at it loaded for bear as they say in the hunting world and it, you know, that bear. way you that's really big. say i'm going to come after this and i am going to just grind obsessively one thing this is my big thing for the year is getting walmart up to five thousand dollars in sales a month or like whatever your goal would be and i think that's an important thing to bring to the party
1: hey folks thanks so much for listening to the e-commerce leader we hopefully have touched on a nerve here i think the reason this topic came up between us is because we've seen this a lot with our clients launching an e-commerce sales channel is a great opportunity but it does come fraught with a few dangers most of which is strategic or principle or mentality based actually the one thing i'd like to say is um just pre-echo what jason said at the end of the whole of this sort of section this interview was this that there is a great argument for multi-channel. You should really be looking into omni-channel strategy because, to Jason's metaphor, to steal this from the end of the next show, it's a three-legged stool. If you've got one solid sales channel, let's say it's Amazon, you're one account closure away from no sales in your entire business. Whereas if you've got two, then say warm up, you've got two things to lean into and you've got to back up a secondary channel. If the primary channel goes down, if you've got three, say you add a direct to consumer or Shopify or WooCommerce site, then suddenly you're much more stable and it's the kind of business you want to run. And I would say also it's the kind of business increasingly that will be more sellable. There's been a big wave in recent couple of years of very sellable Amazon businesses, but that wave has come to a bit of a crashing close for the moment because the aggregators have stopped buying to the most part anyway. And so having a more stable, sellable business, I think is going to become ever more important, especially if we're going into slightly tough or even really tough economic times. The people out there with serious capital will not stop buying businesses. At least they might for a time, but they'll start again. And the safer and more secure a business is the more that's going to chime in with perhaps a different mentality of more cautious investor mentality out there and indeed, if you are going to stay the owner of your business for a long term, then you also want a really stable business for yourself. So either which way, don't let what either of us said today put you off starting a new sales channel for your business. On the contrary, we both would strongly encourage it, but just make sure that you avoid falling into the traps. And the best way to avoid that is to work with somebody who's seen all this stuff before, Um I'm going to talk in the next episode about a little story with a client of mine who's sold in other channels successfully and is just about to launch on Amazon. I must have done, I don't know how many, probably well over 100 Amazon different businesses over time that have launched. Never mind 100 product launches that I've been involved with in another way, one way or another. My own business partners, my clients, coaching clients, whatever it may be. And Jason would have similar stories to tell about Shopify store ownership, which is to say that people who have started on the Shopify and moved to Amazon or the other way around. So there is help out there. If you want to reach out to myself or Jason, if you feel that we have the appropriate business knowledge, you're very welcome to. But whoever you use, amazing FBA for me, by the way, Michael and OmniRocket, just Google it, O-M for Mo- mother, N for November, I, Omni Rocket is Jason and Kyle's business. But whoever you use, I would so strongly advise you to mentally play out the game, avoid the traps before you even start falling into them. And that's the smart money. So much less frustrating and so much quicker success. And in conclusion, go multi-channel, just don't fall into the obvious errors. Get some advice before you go launching and you should be well set to grow a lovely, stable business that's attractive and going to be around for years to come. Thanks for listening. Look forward to seeing and speaking to you soon. That was the E Commerce Leader podcast with Michael Vizi in London, England, and Jason Miles in Seattle, Washington. If you liked this content, don't forget to subscribe to the show on your podcast app. For free resources, including PDFs and videos on topics like traffic, products, and sales channels, just go to www.theecommerceleader.com. No hyphens, just as it sounds. Thanks so much for listening.